Hello, welcome to the Loney Show. I'm your host, John Loney. In this episode, I brought on Eric Taylor and eventually Asparagus, if he can make it. But as for our guest, he's from Oxnard, California. He is a retired senior psychologist, and he has also been traded in Jade Correctional stuff regarding to the topic of emotions. And he's also a best-selling author, blogger, and podcast guest in the, in the, with past experiences. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Ed Delby. Hi, John May. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Ah, uh, yes, as I am. Uh, so, how's life? Life is good. I have no complaints at all. I've been retired as a senior psychologist for about, oh, 15 years now. And in my retirement, I've been, I travel and I continue to maintain my blog and I contribute to LinkedIn, and I'm enjoying it. I, I do enough psychology to keep my keep me in tune to the field, and not enough to make it work. Because if I work in retirement, my wife says, "Nope, we're not going down that road. You're retired. That's what's first. Hmm, great. So, uh, <laughs> tell me more about what you do for a living. Okay, what I did. I was a senior psychologist supervisor in a correctional setting for young women initially, and then they brought men in. And my job was to psychologically treat these young women, all of whom had serious issues with physical and sexual and emotional abuse. Uh, many of them are, are, were suicidal. And I had to learn how to treat these women. And the problem, John May, for me was when I got out of graduate school, my language was that of a PhD candidate or a PhD doctor. And their language was that of a high school, not even a graduate. And I did not know how to communicate with them. And I needed to learn how to do that. So I developed a model, the Emotions as Tools model, which enabled me to help them understand what emotions were, how, they, how emotions impacted them, and how to use their emotions as tools. I had to do the same with the jaded correctional staff. These folks were like policemen inside an institution. And they saw emotions as messy, especially female emotions didn't want to deal with them. They didn't want to deal with their own emotions. So I used the same model of emotions as tools to help them understand what emotions are. And for example, with the young women, they all had cell phones before they got incarcerated. A cell phone is just a tool. You'll learn how to use it. The correctional staff had to learn how to use batons. They had to learn how to use their handcuffs, tools. If you understand that emotions are just tools, you then can move away from the idea that emotions control us, which they don't. You move away from the idea that emotions, we can't understand them, which we can. And it enables you then to put it all together and deploy your emotions strategically, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Now, see, yeah, see, for me, it, interestingly enough, to go back a little bit further than that, when I was in graduate school, I wanted to learn how to work with uh, people who had drug issues or alcohol issues. I didn't, but I wanted to learn how to, to do that. So I went to a, a neighbor of my parents in San Francisco who was the director of an alcoholic treatment program. And I said, can I sit in on the group? And he told me no. And I said, well, why not? He said, well, you can't sit in on the group, but what you can do is you can be a participant observer. And I need to tell you, John May, at the time, I thought, piece of cake. I'm a 
student, I'm a doctoral student in psychology, I can do this easily. It took these folks six months to communicate to me that I did the same thing that they did. They avoided their emotions by drinking alcohol or taking drugs. I avoided my emotions by getting involved in academics and books. I never knew that before I got involved in that book, excuse me, before I got involved in that group. It was a real eye-opener for me. It actually was the start of my entire career. Wow, great. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. It surprised the heck out of me. I thought I had it all under control, and I didn't. I just was hiding from my emotions the same way they were. And then <laughs> graduated and started working in this correctional setting, and now I'm faced with young women who don't know how to deal with their emotions. They either hurt themselves or hurt others. And now I needed to help them do and learn how to do what I had to learn how to do. That was my task. And then when I retired, I wrote a couple of books that are both available on Amazon and started the blog, which is where I am now. Okay, nice. Mm -hmm. So what, what was the best part about being a psychologist? The best part of being a psychologist was being able to help other people. And I mean that sincerely. I mean, it sounds almost like it's a... It's a throwaway line, but it isn't. My job was to help these young women grow, get past their experiences, and become fully functioning individuals. That was my job, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. For me, there's an old saying. Somebody once said, if you love what you're doing, you never have to work a day in your life. And as far as I was concerned, for the most part, I never had to work a day in my life. Now, that's not completely true because... I had some very strange experiences with a young woman who had a borderline personality disorder, and that was really challenging. But besides that, the best part of it was helping these young women and the staff understand what emotions were and how to use their emotions strategically to improve their own lives and the lives of those people with whom they interacted. That, for me, was the best part. Great. It's nice helping people. It's really great. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was a challenge because, as I say, when I got out of graduate school, they did not train me to be effective in the environment where I was working. I basically had to learn how to do that. Now, I had the, the foundations, but I had to learn how to apply them in that setting. <laughs> and that was also a challenge, which I enjoyed. Okay. So I yeah, so I was able to do training and I was able to help staff and was really able to be effective with these young women. All right, nice. Mm -hmm. So what was life for you growing up? <laughs> That's an interesting question because for me in my household, emotions really were not dealt with. Um, my father was a, a very good provider and my mother was a very good housewife, but emotions really weren't dealt with. When my mom died, my dad came up to me and apologized for crying. And the basis for that was in his generation, men did not cry. And now, and so, and my, my sister, she dealt with her emotions by, she, she expressed her emotions and, and so forth, but she wasn't real good at dealing with emotions either. So in my, my growing up years, I basically learned how to avoid being emotional. It, that's how I survived. But there was there was no abuse and it was a it was a good happy childhood. But given where I ended up as the emotions doctor, you never would have thought based on where I came from that I would have ended up where I am. 
It just, there, there, there's a, would have been a total disconnect. And there was until I was put in a situation where I had to learn what emotions were and how to deal with them. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So was this something you've always wanted to do as a career or have you thought about doing other jobs when you were younger? Well, that's also an interesting question because I was interviewed when I was in grade school, actually, and I forget what it was for, but I was interviewed and they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up and I told them I wanted to be a doctor back then. Now, for me, that meant an MD because I didn't know psychology existed. And that's another interesting story if you want to hear it. <laughs> I, okay. worked, I worked one summer in a camp for exceptional children back in New York State. And exceptional children meant everything from juvenile delinquent to um, mentally challenged, if you will. And at the time, I wasn't married. At the time, the young woman that I was interacting with at this camp was dealing with the autistic kids. And so because I was spending time with her, I was spending time with them. And I got interested in kids with autism. So I went to the psychologist at the camp, who I think now, as I look back on it, probably got his degree by mail order because he really wasn't very intelligent. And I started asking him a bunch of questions and he couldn't answer them. But I enjoyed the interaction with her and with the kids. So I went back to the University of California where I was majoring in economics and pre-med, by the way, because I was thought I was going to be an MD. And I convinced the secretary in the psychology department to waive my lower division courses. I never took general psych, though I have taught it at the university. And I got accepted to graduate school. So if I hadn't gone back to that camp, I never would have gotten involved in psychology. And it just says to me that the universe works in very strange ways because being a psychologist was exactly where I needed to be. Wow. That's, yeah. a, that's a very good story. It is. And I, I enjoy telling it because it's just, again, it's something that I never could have predicted. Because this, this job at this camp just kind of came up out of nowhere. And I jumped on it. And it's a good thing that I did because 32 years later, I had an entire career and it was amazing, but it, it, it all happened almost by chance. Yeah. I mean, it's like the universe was looking out for me and opened the door and I walked through it. Yeah, it sure was. Mm -hmm. The universe works in suspicious ways. It does very yeah. much. That must be Eric. It does. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm telling you, I've had numerous experiences like that where things just kind of happen, but they happen that they're the best thing for me. The most obvious was getting that job in New York. Right. Eric, uh, any questions you want to ask, Ed? Yeah. Uh, Shoot. What did you think about your class? What did how? What did you think about your time in New York? Uh, I it was it was great. Um, before I went to the camp, I went around New York City and and toured and had a good time. And then I was in this camp in upstate New York, which was just it. It was in the Poconos, I believe. They had this this group had taken over this former resort, and that's where we were. Now it's interesting. When I was in New York, I experienced thunderstorms like I never knew existed, with rain coming down. But that was <laughs> interesting. <laughs> and and having and having a cabin full of young boys, if you will, again many of whom were mentally challenged, 
So to try and help them understand what lightning was, was also a challenge. So there were many challenges then, but they were all directed to helping me grow. So I enjoyed yeah. New York. Wouldn't want to okay, live there, okay. but I enjoyed it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, ba I'm, I'm basically a, Cali a California boy. I grew up in San Francisco, born and raised, and then moved down to Southern I mean, California. I mean, I, I, Go ahead. I mean, I'm from. I mean, I'm from the. I mean, I'm from New York. Uh, you get used to it. That's true. Well, if you live, if you lived here long enough, you probably get used to used to it. But I mean, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm from New York, so it's like I'm used to it. There you go. Well, no, I, I say it's it's a great place to to visit, and I could learn to live there because there's a lot going on in New York. I, it's there's it's a lot of really good energy in New York. Lots of stuff going yeah, on. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, like there are a lot of tourists too, because you know, uh, I I worked down in Times Square. There's a lot of there's a lot of tourists. Some oh, of yeah. them are nice. Some of them are people down. Some of them are not. Mm -hmm. There was this one dude. There was this one dude who literally shoved me. Didn't say excuse me. So I shoved him back, and he's like, "Excuse me." Then I said, "Excuse you." Yeah, right. Excuse you. Should have said that, or at least said, well, should have said that in the beginning, or, or at least say yeah. sorry, like. Right. Come on, don't be and, don't shut don't shut don't shove me. I'll shove you back. Well, I agree. And and the myth is that that New Yorkers are really rude and obnoxious, and that's just not the case. Um, I had a, a a good friend who lived in in New York, and he just wasn't like that. So I think you, people will treat you the way you treat them, and I think that's yeah. what needs to be kept in mind. Now, maybe it's with New Yorkers; they're just not not going to put up with your nonsense. And and they'll tell you, tell it to you straight, but I don't think that's a bad idea actually. Yeah, I mean I'd rather. Wait, have what's that. not a bad idea? No, I'd rather have you interact with me directly, so at least I know where you're coming from. And I'd rather have you reciprocate to me. If I treat you with respect, I expect you to treat me the same way back. Yeah, I mean he was an old man too, but it's okay. We were the same height. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, live by, I live. Yeah, I live by those words every day. If I want, if I want people to treat me, me with respect, I treat them with them with respect. Because it's a uh, people want to be loved and respected, so it's best to do exactly what they want, as you would what you would you would want for yourself. That's exactly correct. And you know the other thing that that's been helpful to me is that now because I understand what emotions are. If a person deals with me in a way that like they're coming at me sideways because I understand what emotions tell me about what they're experiencing and how they see me, it enables me to more effectively interact with them. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, yeah. If, if, yeah, if, if somebody is angry with me, it means that they see me as somehow a threat. That's what the message of anger is. They see me as a threat that they can overcome by throwing force at me, throwing power or whatever it happens to be. If I understand that, I can take a step back and I can take a look at what it is about my interaction with them, which leads them to see me as a threat. And if I can step back, then maybe the anger goes away and it's not an issue anymore. Yeah. Okay. Look, at, I'll be honest. If someone is angry at me for no re for no reason, because like, I'll be honest, I'll be honest. I don't see myself as threatening. Yet a lot, yet a lot of people didn't like me for no reason, and I didn't do anything for them. I usually never did anything right like i was always quiet so it was like i just didn't care i just didn't care 
I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't understand. I didn't like say. I didn't. I never said like you know. I never understood why. I just ignore. I just ignored it though. Then eventually, just went away. And and that's and that's a very good strategy unless you have to interact with them like if they're a boss or a coworker who you can't get away from, or a spouse or a family member. If you can just walk away, that's the best way to do it. But if you can't then you can explore what it is about what you've said or done that may they may see as a threat. Doesn't mean, Eric, that you are. It just means that's that's how they perceive you. And sometimes you need to correct that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. But, right. but I never, but I never, yeah, except I never really did anything. So I never really had to correct anything. Well, sometimes, um, I mean, I know when, when I was as a, a senior psychologist and was first started out, um, I had one of my psychologists who was just he 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 tried to to mess with the rules whenever he could, and I was and I was new, so I asked my my supervisor what I was supposed to do, and they said you need to put out this memo and you need to say at the bottom of it failure to comply with all rules could result in disciplinary actions. It was boilerplate, and I had one of my psychologists come in to me and she and she was livid, and she said. How can you accuse me of, of not following the rules? I've done everything right. I've never been a problem, yada, yada, yada. Well, it wasn't directed to her, but she took it personally. It wasn't anything that I did, but now that I knew that anger meant that she saw it as a threat, now I could correct the misperception. So I couldn't walk away with her because I had to supervise her, and I couldn't let it stand because she was clearly upset, so I needed to correct the misperception. Once I did that, then we were fine. But it totally took me by surprise because I hadn't expected it. Uh, yeah. I'll be honest. She must have some. I mean, if you come in, the, if it's not directed at her and she comes in the office mad like that, she must have some skeletons in the closet. She, she must did. have done something secretly. She did have skeletons exactly. in the closet, but her work was she, she never got in trouble. She always did what she had to do. And because I didn't know what the skeletons were, I couldn't address them. So I had to address the issue that she presented to me. That was all I could do. Because mm-hmm. I had to work well, with it. Well, right. I mean, because if somebody, because if somebody's that offended, even though if, if someone is that offended, and like you know, if someone is that offended about something and it wasn't even directed at them, then yeah, they clearly did something wrong. You're, they clearly and, have a guilty conscience. They clearly had a guilty conscience, and yeah, they were just freaking out. Because well, they her, thought they, they thought, right. Her they perception. Thought they, they would assume. Oh, I'm sorry. You go. No, no. Her perception of herself, her self perception, was that she was a good employee, that she always followed the rules, and that because of that, she didn't need to be challenged in this way. You're right. It was her misperception based on her view of herself as a good employee who follows the rules. She was a good girl, and I had challenged that. <laughs> And, no, I mean, and, and, you, and you're right. It was, it, was, it was out of left field. It was, it was totally inappropriate. But I still had to deal with it because I was a supervisor. Mm-hmm. All so right. I don't think- yeah, I understand. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I, I'll be honest. At my, uh, my last job, I wasn't, a good em- I wasn't a good or a bad employee. I was just, eh, I was like, I was just like, lazy. look, I, I'm not, no, 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 I wasn't lazy. I was just like, oh, look. Okay. I, I'm not even trying to get, because uh, I'll be honest, I didn't like my, I didn't like my supervisors. I was like, so look, I was like, 
because it's like, I don't know, one moment they would be okay. They would be chill. The next minute, the next moment, then one moment they would be chill. And the next minute they'd just be something else. Like, I don't know. It's like, yeah. and like, I just, yeah. So it's like, I like, look, I was like, look, okay. And it's like, sometimes like, you know, they would try and talk to me and be cool with me. I'm like, look, I don't want to talk. I just want, <laughs> I just want to uh, do my work. Like, Watch some videos on my break. Go back to work and go home. I, I I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to talk to them after that. I I just came to work just to do my work, not interact with right my supervisors. And that and maybe that my person, maybe go ahead. Maybe like maybe some of the people I was working with, but not my supervisors. No. Yeah, and and if your supervisor was that inconsistent, they were not a good supervisor. Part of being a good supervisor is you need to be consistent because if you're not consistent, you can't develop the trust of your employees. And if your employees don't trust you, then you really can't supervise them. Then your only choice is to say, do this because I said to do it. And that only works for a limited time frame because then you're then you're seen as a dictator. And that's not the way I wanted to be perceived. Like, yeah, like, yeah you know, like at, my, at that job, actually, like it took them, you know, because I'll be on, I'll be honest. They just, uh, I'm not gonna lie. They just now said I couldn't go back because apparently I was out for too many days and I didn't tell them. And I, uh, here's the thing: that they could have said they could have told me that months ago, but they didn't. Apparently, they're being lenient, being lenient. Like I don't know. It's like because apparently I was out for like a two like too much pretty much like two days out of the week all the time since like maybe january or february of this year and they're just now telling and they're just now like letting me go because of it wow like i was like i was like yeah i could have been let go like months ago or they could have at least warned me about it months ago but they didn't that they're being like and here's the thing it didn't even matter it didn't even matter um it wouldn't have even mattered if I told them the reason why I was um, out because I had another coworker who actually told them why why she was out. She had she had receipts and everything. She had like you know documents and like proof on why she was out. Meanwhile, I wasn't saying anything for one because I wasn't saying anything. And she they still tried to fire her, but she only has like she only had like two days left on the job, so it's like that wouldn't have made sense. I had like one more month left because like it was like a part it was like a part-time thing mm -hmm. yeah that doesn't yeah. sound like an organization that is really good for their employees there's probably a lot of turnover in that that place where you worked yeah would, it I wasn't really that organized yeah i wasn't really that upset. i wasn't really that upset about it because it's like i didn't really like getting up to go there anyways so you must <laughs> be really looking didn't. for another job yeah yeah i am well, good luck. Thanks. Now's a good time. Now's a good time to be doing that. There's all kinds of jobs open out there. Mm. At least there is yeah. in California. Make... I mean, my daughter's yeah. my yeah. daughter's trying, my daughter's trying to look for a job as well. So, and what's challenging for her is they keep telling her she's overqualified. Overqualified? Yeah, yeah. What? She really? Well, she's. I mean, she has her degree. She's done a lot of work. She's she's got a certificate in uh, human relations. And, you know, the, the people are saying that, I mean, they're looking for entry level people and she's not an entry level person. So it's a challenge for her. 
She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to wow. um, work an entry level job that's not not paying a good wage. She'll find what she's looking for. It's just going to take time. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Wow. I mean, they can't just make an exception. You'd think, and and they should have because they they'd be lucky to have her. But that hasn't happened yet. She's got a couple of prospects that she's looking at, so she'll she'll be employed soon. It's just taking her some time. Hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. I mean. She, She's very good at what she does. She's very good at human resources. She's very good with people. You'd think people, any a job would jump at the chance to get her, but it's been a challenge. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll work out. It'll okay. work out. Sorry, what was that? Oh, I was gonna ask another question. If there was any if there was anything if there was anything in life that you could take back, what would it be? Like any oh. like mistakes or anything? That's an interesting like, question. I've never thought about that. Probably because I'm I'm too cognitive. Because if I take something back, it might set me on a path that I don't want to be on. And I've learned and I've learned from my mistakes. The way to answer that question, Eric, is it implies it implies regret. And because and the emotion of regret is 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 a hard one to deal with and a hard one to experience because it it, it gives you no way out. So I don't have regrets. What I have are what are, I call the Wibneys, I-W-B-N-I's. It would be nice if. <laughs> and the way I deal with things that I did wrong is I look at it and I say, you know, it, it would be nice if I had done such and such, which acknowledges that I screwed up, but also says that I learned from it and I can change. So the answer to your question is I don't have regrets. I don't have anything that I look back on and say, I really messed up. I have things that I did wrong that I could have done right where I didn't acknowledge people, where I, I made a decision that I later said I wish I'd done differently. But I don't have regrets. I'm not sure if that answers your question. Eh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a, that's actually a really good answer, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you're, I you're right. It doesn't really <laughs> it doesn't really answer my question, but it's like it's good that you don't have regrets, though. And exactly. that's what's it. That's all that's important. Yeah. Regrets, will, regrets will kill you psychologically. And the reason for that is if you look back with regret, it's like, you know, I really messed up on such and such and I can't change it. So it leaves you nowhere to go. So regrets will just eat you up. If you know anybody, anybody with that's... regrets, explain to them that, that a regret, they need to acknowledge what they did or didn't do. And then they need to grow from it. And that's where a Whitney's come in. It would be nice if. That enables them to acknowledge that things didn't go the way they wanted to, and then they can grow from that. <laughs> wow, impressive! Yeah, I had to Pretty I had advice. to learn that, and 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 the re the reason where that came from is the young several of the young women that I worked with had killed their children, and there was I, I didn't know how to deal with that, and because I never came across it in graduate school, so what I needed to for them to understand that what they did was wrong. But based on the circumstances, they were not monsters for having done it. Now, I'm not saying there are not monsters out there. There are, but none of the young women I worked with were monsters. They did monstrous things. And that's where the Awidneys came in. Because if they hadn't learned to get past that, then they would have considered themselves to be monsters for the rest of their life. And who knows? Many of them tried to kill themselves because they felt like monsters. And I needed to help them get past that. That's where I developed the Awibneys. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
I'm telling you, when the the job it was it was learning by the seat of my pants, um, because I had the foundations in graduate school, but I didn't have the specifics, and I had to develop them on my own. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been effective. But that that for me that was the exciting part of the job. Okay. It was a challenge, and and I like challenges. Oh Forced yeah. Forced me to grow. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I do love yeah, a bit of challenge once in a while. Yeah. Did I answer all your questions, gentlemen? No. What I just said was I do love a good, a bit of a good challenge once in a while. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it's been helping me grow with person ever since. And I like cool. that. Cool. <laughs> so do, okay. do you ever do your work remotely as long, as long, along with in person or do you do your work mostly in person? Okay. I'm, I don't do, um, I don't do any clinical work at all anymore. I don't have a private practice, so I don't really have to worry about remote. What I do now is I maintain a biweekly blog, which for any of your listeners, it's called theemotionsdoctor.com, T-H-E-E-M-O-T-I-O-N-S-D-O-C-T-O-R.com. And I have over 200 posts on my blog. I cover everything from, from emo emotions as tools through anger, through anxiety, to relationships. And I have an index tab at the top of the homepage where if you click on the index tab, it, it gives you a pull down menu and you can go to any of five different categories, which will access all of my posts with one click. So that's what I do now. So I, yeah, I, I mean, I go to my, my WordPress blog and I write a blog every, every other week and that's what keeps me busy. I don't have a practice, so I don't have to worry about remote stuff. Now I do podcasts, which is remote, which I enjoy. Sometimes audio, as this one is, sometimes video, and I really do enjoy that. But that's the extent of, of what I'm doing in terms of psychology. I'm out there to educate people. I educate them with my blog. I educate them with my books on Amazon.com, and I educate them on the blogs that I do. And you can access all of my blogs, by the way, by Googling Ed Dobby Podcasts, E-D-D-A-U-B-E Podcasts, and that'll give you access to all of my podcasts. So there's a ton of information out there to, for anybody who wants to understand what emotions are and how to apply them or strategically deploy them. And that's what I do. And that's what keeps me motivated in terms of my psychological inputs. So I don't have a practice, so I don't have to worry about doing remote stuff other okay. than for podcasts. That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, that yeah. Is all we yeah. So that's all we have for this episode. It was great having you here, Ed, talking about your work as a psychiatrist. Uh, your current work right now with daily blogs and talking about um, Eric's employment career. And uh, yeah, it's been great. All right. Well, thanks, John May, for having me. And, and you too, Eric. Good questions. Enjoyed interacting with you too. Anytime. Hmm. Anytime. All right. You guys have a great day. The rest of whatever's, well, I, actually, it's nighttime in England now. Oh, yeah. It's, no, it's actually 25 till midnight. So, uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Time to get some rest then, huh? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. And good luck with your job hunting, Eric. Yeah. Uh, thanks. I, I, I will. Thank you. <laughs> you too. Wait. And until, All right. Uh, All right. Oh, until, until next time, stay tuned for more. All right. Bye-bye now, guys.